Welcome to The Hustle, a podcast about the business of mobile product design hosted by members of FunSize, a mobile design studio in Austin. Today we have a special one-on-one with Stu Smith of Sputnik Creative and FunSize owner Anthony Armandiras. Stu and Anthony both have a lot to share about choosing the right client. In today's episode, they discuss the traits of a good relationship between a creative agency and a client, and also what it looks like when it's not such a good fit. Podcast. Uh, this is Anthony Armanderas, uh, CEO of FunSize, and I'm here today talking about choosing the right client with uh, Stu Smith, partner at Sputnik Creative, uh, also based here in Austin, Texas. For those of you that don't know Stu, uh, his company Sputnik is our next door neighbor, and Stu had a, a fundamental hand in getting our business started. And Stu and I, being owners of two agencies, talk a lot about running an agency. We thought it would be a great idea to have Stu join and tell us a little bit about his company and have a conversation about the important topic of choosing the right client. Stu, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Stu, and uh, man, thanks guys for having me. It's uh, it's awesome. I've heard about these podcasts, listened to it, and uh, I think peeped in the window while you guys were recording before, so it's actually awesome to be, be here. And uh, yeah, like Anthony said, I um, am a partner at Sputnik, and we're a uh, brand and web studio here in Austin. Um, and we work with all sorts of different crazy cool clients that um, teach us different things all the time. We work with people that are uh, small businesses and people as large as, you know, guys that you've heard of like IBM. Um, So anything in between. And really, I think this topic is pretty awesome for us. It's timely uh, based on things that we've learned recently, but it's also, um, it's one of those things that uh, working with such a broad range of clients, it's not really about who they are. It's, um, Categorically, but it's really about who they are as people. So it's pretty interesting to me. Well, over the course of running your agency, I mean, what has you know, what have you learned about choosing the wrong client? Yeah, um, well, it's like kind of a thing that you can actually do um, by accident if you kind of have your guard down. Um, I've learned a lot about that and learning about it daily. Um, sometimes fortunately, sometimes unfortunately. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so there is a inherent cost, and I think it it's one of those things that um, has effects that you wouldn't even expect. And it's one of the things that I didn't think I actually learned too much when I was um, a freelancer because it only really have ever affected me if it was, oh, I chose a client that maybe was slow to pay or something. It was always kind of like, well, you know, that's fine. I'll just, I'll eat this for a little while. It's, It's no problem. And I can kind of endure through it. It's been more complicated as we've grown and have people on our team and uh, I see it affect them and that's that's kind of the cost the ultimate cost for me is that it really does start to bug my team if you if you're working with the wrong wrong person yeah it's really infectious right I mean uh, from a business owner's perspective it's a struggle right because you're trying to weigh out like choosing the right piece of business the right industry the right stepping stone of a project that'll get you where you want to be the right finances and also meshing that with what your team wants. And as you, as your team changes, the variety of what they want is going to change. And so I don't know about you guys, but one of the thing, one of the big learning lessons that we've had is in the beginning, we used to try to keep everything democratic. We, we would all vote on what projects we would take, which worked for a while, but you know, it doesn't always work from the business perspective, right? It's yeah. really, it's really hard to, 
to manage that. But one of the things that you know that you know we've learned is making that wrong decision can can cause a lot of turn, can really set the wrong tone, uh, can really burn people out. And well, yeah, and to that point, you know, you can. Uh, we haven't ever done kind of a true democratic weigh-in of voting where it's a everyone gets around the table or anything, but it always is kind of like, oh man, we've got this lead from this cool thing. And, you know, just by kind of collective conscious talking about it, things will rise to the surface where we pursue it. And, um, it's kind of, kind of interesting. Something that you said made me think about it. It's not actually, um, a wrong client is not actually only a person that costs you money or wears out your team. It could be an energizing client that wears out your finances, like what you were saying, where it's, it's gotta be a perfect balance. Um, it's not always a perfect balance, but it's what you're at least trying for. Cause we've had plenty of clients that are really fun to work with, but, um, don't have the budget where it's kind of, it actually hurts us to, to invest in the passion project. So that's actually something we've had to learn is we want those things really badly. Um, I've noticed that those are the things that energize the team the most. If we get to work on this kind of small, you know, niche thing. Um, but we really have to be on guard of like, making sure that a they're not going to turn into a problem client right. uh, just because they're a cool little passion project and b that it's not going to cannibalize our other efforts um, with the stuff that's actually allowing us to pay our rent at the office and make payroll and stuff like that so that, I mean that's I mean I, I couldn't agree more with that I mean some of the most difficult clients that we've had have not necessarily been bad clients and actually their projects are very exciting it was that they were early stage startups Maybe they had never hired an agency before. Yeah. They didn't know how, where, where they could push and pull. And because we bucketed them into a smaller budget, they ended up, it ended up being a bad fit because what they really needed was the same amount of effort that we give on a, a normal project, and they didn't know how to, how to really engage with us. Yeah, and, and really in their defense, it's like they probably had no idea how to communicate that mm-hmm. up front. I mean, we, we have plenty of that where it's, it's a... You know, especially with some of our pet projects, it's like, man, this is all these people care about. They're bootstrapping hardcore. They're not uh, funded. They're not, you know, in most cases, um, <laughs> not anything that's even very old. It's like we'll we'll hook up with a, a guy that's doing something really interesting, and uh, he just has no idea what even just a thousand dollars worth of a design budget gets you. That because that's a, that's so much money to the to this person who's never bought this commodity before that they're like, man, I just don't feel like I'm getting much out of that. Like, well, you actually are. Our whole team is energized working on this. Um, you just maybe don't have the, the grasp of what kind of thing that we do. And also, we don't um, – some of that's on us a little bit of having to educate those types of clients a lot a lot uh, more in depth. That's actually something we were just talking about with our proposal process with those type of clients that we want to pursue that – we're actually going to try and handhold a little bit more, <clears throat> just even um, adding sections of the proposal that say, you know, here's an example of this type of work, and here's an example of how far we go in this scope in real visuals, so you can see what you're going to get at the end. So there's not any mix-up of understanding. So, isn't isn't there something to say about a uh, wrong client or a bad project also, s- somewhat sort of based on the the way that the project starts, like? If you start the project wrong with bad habits on either side, I mean, couldn't a good client become a bad client? Oh, um, yeah. It's all about, you know, uh, the training process a little bit up front. It's, uh, you know, I, I relate it to just like even a dating relationship or anything like that where it's kind of like if you set some standards 
up front that are like, okay, well, I'll kind of, I'll kind of give and take on this, this one thing that drives me nuts. Like, um, there's not really a way to dig yourself out of that. Uh, especially with a client six weeks in, if, if you, you know, one thing that, uh, uh, is a pet peeve of mine is getting texted by clients uh, only because I, it happens sometimes I'm riding the Zilker Zephyr with my daughter through the park and I get a text about work on a Saturday morning it's it's not really fair it kind of stinks you know it's uh, and so if in that moment I let my you know fear of losing that client or my on the other side my love of their kind of quirky little project get in my psyche and respond to them oh they will always text me anytime that they want forever then there's no way out of it i i see that but you know personally i also kind of like that when when someone trusts me enough that they see me as just a member of their team where they don't really see the line between agency and partner you know i i think some of the some of the best clients that we've had, whether they're tiny companies or large ones, are the ones that truly like work with us uh, transparently. I know that it's kind of hard to like you know, the boundaries are kind of always a, a tough issue, but you know, you, you know, kind of going into our next next uh, line of uh, talking points. What what is really going to make a client? What is the what is the right client? Like, is it money? Is it passion? Is it relationship? I mean, how do you, like, at Sputnik, how, how do you guys uh, address that when you're talking to a new prospect? Yeah, so we've learned the hard lesson uh, to never do things based off of just how much budget is coming in. Because we've had had things come in where it's, hey, we have 50000 bucks and it's over the next four weeks, and it's uh, right in time for us to, uh, to make a little bit extra money for our growth plans that we have. and um, Or it's been something where it's, you know, just kind of a dangling carrot of maybe future projects or something like that. We've just had to definitely make sure we're not uh, taking projects solely based off of that. Um, but I feel like that's something we're really still still learning. Uh, it's kind of a gut check actually after like the first call because we do. Um, it's not maybe the most efficient way to do it, but we always do our intro calls with uh, the two partners and uh, our office manager Diana and. We always sit there and actually look at each other after the call like, hey, how do you, how do you think that went? Do you think that's going to be somebody like we'll, we'll, that maybe doesn't fit with our culture or may produce some major red flags down, down the road? So we're always actually like kind of phrase things. And, well, I had a yellow flag about this. They said uh, they have this much work to do within, you know, just a couple of couple of weeks. And they always email me at like 3 in the morning. I'm not really sure if that – maybe they have a have a mentality that about their work that is a little bit different than we we do so we kind of call like yellow flags and red flags red flags are like wow that i actually just felt uncomfortable on that call we should not do anything with that client because i just felt uncomfortable um yeah so i mean it's kind of it's it's a hard thing i think uh i think we're still trying to figure out like traits of the best types of clients um we have several clients that really really exemplify uh, the types of clients we want to pursue working more with. Um, and so we can maybe talk more about that, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, this is the second business that I've run, but this is the first business of the scale that I've run. You know, I always try to make sure that there's enough like interesting work going on. And, and I've, I've recently realized that, uh, 
I made some mistakes early on. Like I tried to bucket these smaller uh, clients into just fewer hours just because they had less money. Yeah. And then after interviewing them, the, I got a sort of consistent response from these clients and it was pretty much something like this. We really want to work with you. We really wanted you to own it. We wanted to ask you for more time, but we felt bad doing so. And it just kind of occurred to me that instead of me bucketing them into a smaller budget project, if I really wanted to work with that smaller client, I should have just dropped the rate so that we could give them the same effort that we gave everyone else. Because you really yeah. think about it, that, that early stage startup is just as passionate about their product, if not more than maybe a corporation. Their users are just as important. And it's just, just some simple mistakes. But, you know, and on the, on the uh, higher end side of it, we've definitely had people, as I'm sure you have too, that have approached us with very large budgets and didn't blink at the money, but asked us to make concessions in areas that made us feel completely uncomfortable. Like uh, the other day we got a, uh, we had a client that was ready to go a very large budget, but wanted us to remove the clause from our contract that said that they could not poach our employees. <laughs> and our employees, I'm that's sorry, but our number one trait, and that's just not something I'm going to budge on. It well, yeah, because because you don't is. build uh, you don't build fences, and you don't do drywall, you don't do exchangeable things like that. You're uh, employing extraordinarily creative people that are in your town, not you know somewhere else. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a that would have been red flag. I assume you didn't take the work. No, we didn't. <laughs> yeah. I mean. You get, because that's just something that you can't like you know like you said like a red flag moving forward if they're gonna if, if that's the way the relationship is starting you know I can't couldn't imagine where that would end up you know three to six months later you know? yeah well and you can actually kind of always tell in contract negotiation how things are gonna go I mean that's that's actually kind of like if there's a color more advanced than red as, <laughs> as a warning that's that's like defcon purple or whatever but it's you know that's a huge red flag yeah um, but then you pick like more commonly pick up on things where it's like well I don't know like this is this is a clause that I set down uh, specifically with my attorney based on other situations uh, and really wanted in the in the contract but now I have, have this client debating me and they're also debating me on four other things I just I wonder if that's maybe going to be the nature of how we actually do the work together I, um, I yeah we've we've bailed uh, honestly like we had we had a very sizable, very uh, high-profile, cool client um, by all you know measures last fall, and it was just we we had to step out. It was a hard one. We spent a little a little bit of uh, money with our attorney even negotiating because we we're like, man, we really want these guys on on our site. This would be so cool, and I think there would be so much more work. But there was a absurd clause about um, about non-compete for ten years. Yeah, and it was just I like there's there's that. just no way we were going to yeah. do that. I, I, you know, one of the things that I've learned, and I learned this from my, our very first client, was that it seems like there's a trend that the people that want to work with you the most just want to start working. Right? I know you've got to get the, the house cleaning out of the way. You've got to sign a contract. But, but yes, absolutely. If there's any sort of back and forth on a contract, it's an immediately like sign that, the, that that's going to set the tone. I mean, even the corporate, even some of the corporate clients that we've worked with we're just like, you know what, like we know this is going to be a rigorous process, but let's just get started. Are you willing to just get started? Those have always been the best for us. Um, yeah. The ones that just e express an extreme passion of wanting to work with us. Or like you said yesterday at lunch, like 
ones that approach you from like a fan perspective. Yeah. I mean, those, uh, <laughs> those have become the coolest clients ever. Uh, and I don't know, that's a little bit of a different thing, but maybe takes us to the topic of like, um, you know, a little bit deeper in the topic of quality of a good client. Uh, you know, one thing that I've noticed just with that, with like our work getting out there a little bit, um, and being on different things, it's, it's attracted clients, like you're saying, that approach us really kind of, you know, in a way that are like, man, we really love, like, I'll even just say it. We really love what you did with Rowing Doc. We really love what you did with Storyland. Come and do that same thing with us. And like you're saying, like, let's get started. Can you start next week? Which is not usually ever possible. But, um, but that type of client exhibits this thing that's almost like a cheerleader style, which uh, we have a client right now that's like that, that is so stinking cool. And everyone on the team is so motivated to do the work because every time that this client emails us, they're like, you guys are doing so awesome. This is so cool. I can see how this is going to change our business. Yeah. Um, it's so much, it's such a different thing than somebody that's like, no, like the kerning on that is off or no, let's, I know that that's this hex color, but can we change a couple of those so that maybe it's this hex color, like really fine tuning things. Um, I don't know. Cheerleaders are awesome clients. Yeah, I agree. And, and clients on are w- willing to like go through the process with you. Like, yeah. I don't, I, we're in, our businesses are slightly different. And I don't know how the rest of the people at the fun size think about it. We have a lot of clients that are just very collaborative. Like they'll, you know, this, you know, CEO will, and the team will sit in the room and we'll go over design over and over together as a team. Not really treat us like we're this sort of external shop that is just sort of doing production. And I, you know, that to me is what is starting to become more clear. I don't want to feel like by taking a big project just because of the money that we're going to be treated just like a sort of production arm. I want to, I want to feel like a partner. And I think everyone that works here does too, because like you're saying that that cheerleader thing, that knowing that what you're doing is making a difference goes so much further than like, can you just do this? Can you just change that? Can you just keep changing this? Yeah. If you understand like what the common goal is and you're working together, I mean, those are the kind of things that, that we look for. And so, you know, you know, in the process of interviewing clients, you know, kind of like what you're saying, we try to figure that out. You know, like we, you know, one of the main points is trying to figure out like how much trust and collaboration they'll, they'll provide. Yeah. And it's interesting. You just, um, it's totally a gut thing. I don't know. I, I want to get it down to a science where it's like, okay, if the client says X, then we're out. If the client says Y, we're out, but it is so just a gut thing. And almost you have to look the person in the eye, even over, (laughs) even over a hangout and be like, is this guy going to, you know, to totally come back and bite us in the end? There, there is things that you and I see when we're talking to these people that our team never sees, right? Like, yeah, we, we get to test the deepest part of the relationship that, most of the team will never see like what was it like trying to schedule that first meeting like yeah exactly. did, was, was this person uh, considerate of my schedule and willing to use the tools that I used to get a phone call with me or did they were they demanding and only provided me with like one option like yeah. we we can kind of sniff that out like, yeah are early. they late to that first meeting it's kind of our like, job to do that you know yeah uh, are they late are they do they constantly reschedule you know are they gonna respect uh, the process yeah know? there was there was actually on that topic there was a hilarious thing uh, a long time ago um, this client showed up to their first meeting about 30 minutes late <laughs> and you know we're sitting there the whole team's sitting there it's the kickoff and uh, and I 
was pretty perturbed. I was just like, man, I have something. If the meeting was at 2 o'clock, he showed up at 2.30. We had a thing at 3, and it was internal, but it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he goes, yeah, you should probably really schedule the, the meetings like 30 minutes in advance because I'm habitually late. And I was like, well, we're habitually on time. Like, so this is going to be pretty hard. I don't, I don't think we're going to actually be able to like schedule the meetings early for you. Might as well give them an extra four months to pay their invoice. because Yeah, exactly, yeah. Because you don't really need that money to pay your no, payroll or anything. No. No, my mortgage company is like super flexible. It's just so cool. <laughs> so let's t- let's talk about the interviewing uh, part of the process. Like, how do you, how do you how do we sort of address determining whether someone's the right client? Yeah, um, for me, I have to connect on some sort of relational level. I'm too much of a uh, like gregarious, want to hang out, have a beer type of person uh, to to not seek that at first in the relationship. Like we had a, a couple of biz dev calls yesterday, man, I could tell immediately out of uh, the two guys that I talked to, two clients I talked to, I was like this one guy, I was able to talk about the cool Mexican restaurants in Austin. Uh, plus I was able to talk about, you know, the craft beer that I'm into within the first five minutes of the call. Um, not that that means he's going to be the most amazing client, but we at least could share some commonalities. You know, the guy right after him that I talked to was Basically, I was like, hey, man, yeah, I just like want to hear about what you guys are doing and just hear your story. And uh, and he is like, well, let's just get down to business and blah, 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 blah. This is what I'm looking for. I was like, uh, I don't, that feels weird. I, we're going to work together for like the next 12 weeks. We yeah. we need to be able to share a meal together and it's, it's not enjoy too each different other. than dating or hiring an employee, right? Like you're, you're looking for someone that you want to genuinely work with. Yeah, I had a client, I uh, call it the Sunday test, um, which is actually kind of a, a thing that um, has stuck with me. You know, he said, he was like, we don't work on the weekends, but if we had to, if it was the ship's going down or we have this client coming into town, we've got, you know, freaking Walmart wants us to do their iOS apps and they're going to pay us $2 million and we need to start on Sunday to be able to do that. And, but all of us are going to have six months off. He's like, I want to be able to have my entire team uh, be people that I would be around on the weekend on a Sunday working my tail off um, and he's like if somebody doesn't fit that just in my gut then they don't get hired and I kind of want that on the client level of like if we literally have to go do a video shoot especially on our branding stuff we spend a lot of hands on time with people kind of outside of the office like if we have to go to a photo shoot video shoot sit down with a copywriter sit down with a PR firm uh, even in the remote chance on the weekend, I want that to be somebody that I actually want to show up and say, Hey man, what's up? Like, this is cool. Um, I don't dread going and seeing them. So, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, we, we don't have this down to a perfect science other than it's been mostly me doing biz dev and I kind of operate on a gut level too. I mean, I, I first look at, you know, like we were saying, like, are they, how accommodating and respectful Mm -hmm. are they of like my time and my team's time? Um, you know how if they're willing to wait until we have that perfect opening because we are very transparent like we could maybe start early but if, if we're going to give you the right amount of attention you need you need to kind of wait and like let's let's get this deal structured correctly those have always been uh, the best but we, we also look for other things to that go a bit deeper now like if it's a startup we ask uh, more questions about you know you know how much funding they received the last you know, 12, 24 months. Um, they're a corporation. We'll ask questions about, you know, 
how long it takes to get set up as a vendor and you know because you know like we have one client right now that uh, is a, it, it is a passion client but it is a major corporation and my pricing to them was based on um, more of a more of a startup price price yeah. point but I kind of learned once we started the engage, engagement that it would take like three to four weeks just to get set up as a, an approved vendor and then it would take another two weeks to get set up with a PO and that their payment terms were not net 15 which we prefer they were net 45 so instead of getting paid in within two weeks like we assume we would it's yeah. actually going to take like two and a half months knowing those things early are not necessarily the trait of a good client but would have allowed me to create a better perception on our studio side of what the what knowing what we were going to be dealing with so we try to just ask ask those things and uh, I don't you know I don't know it's it's really hard I mean sometimes you're right and sometimes you're wrong but um, you know I think uh, the harder part of it is you know maybe course correcting when when something isn't going just right yeah I do think it is all about um, it is about the right questions up front like <clears throat> you're mentioning about funding and uh, billing the other things that uh, we do ask up front all the time are stakeholders uh, and uh, you know it's been kind of an interesting thing where uh, we've had instances where stakeholders uh, are appear at the last minute and have yeah. things pop up and it's you know incredibly stressful to have to deal with some input you know our contract now reflects that <laughs> that's a that's a you know kind of a, a game game changer and will kill the contract at that point but well um, I, I, yeah I mean I know it's kind of subjective but in in your mind like what what is the ideal kind of client like what are what are the traits of the ideal kind of client perspective yeah so with us it's a I think over um, over any other trade it's really honestly trust uh, the worst thing that you can do for a group of creatives that care about your brand because we're not going to take on a project that we don't care about that's that goes back to we're not going to take things only because of the money. We're not going to take things only because, wow, this is a cool, sexy client that we want on our site, and I don't care how they work, but we want that name on our site. It's Honestly, it's trust. It's just that um, the person for us is not going to drag our team down with over-art directing or m micromanaging and that, um, you know, my partner BJ related, related it to, you know, like a pilot where it's like, if a, if a brand tells us that ultimately we want to be considered alongside of these brands, say it's a lifestyle brand that wants to be on the on the same level with Patagonia and Polar, well, you have five creatives in the room that know how to get you there. We know the trends. We know what's happening. And the worst thing you can do is not trust us that we we don't have a have a clue. So, um, so yeah, I think it's honestly it's trust. It's um, the cheerleading thing is probably second in line. The, um, I, if I ever write a book, it'll probably be about how to be uh, a, a good client <laughs> to where you know how to to say the right things that get your creative team to pull back. Because you and I running shops, we know what those things are. We know the moments to encourage our teams and say, you know, this is a thing. Or I was in here and you gave Rick a day off one day. And now that it's strategy, you guys are friends but it's one of those where you understand what Rick needs as a creative to thrive. He's been working his tail off. Um, so I want, you know, I want clients that understand that, have empathy for the creative too. So. Uh, that's, that's a really good perspective. Um, 
at fun size, I don't, I don't know what it is. You know, I, I think, you know, number, our number one uh, concern is creating products that benefit human beings. So I can weed out a lot of clients really early in the process because I'll ask them, what does your product matter? And what will this do to benefit human beings? You know, because quite honestly, we don't want to be making a Foursquare or something like that. We will first, most importantly, want to be making things that actually benefit people. And, and then secondly, um, kind of along the lines of what you said about trust, but a little bit different. We look to see how much trust they'll allow us to have in letting us affect the, the, the long-term end of their product or how much will they let us change what they have? Will they let us do something unique? Because what we're trying to do is balance out most of our, well, first of all, most of our projects are three to six months long. So designers want to put their own stamp on it. They, they want to feel trusted. They want to be challenged. Uh, we want to retain uh, strong, talented people. So, you know, we, we just try to make sure that it's going to be something that, like, that we're going to enjoy doing every day. Because if we take it on, we'll be doing it every day for six months. Yeah, seriously. That's, that, that's the thing to remember during BizDev. I mean, gosh, like, I didn't learn that until, embarrassingly, probably a couple of years ago. I've been doing this for a long time. Like, oh, yeah, wait, if I take this on, I definitely have to look this person in the eye or be on the phone with them for, like, six months, probably. And then, oh, gosh, like, if we did their website development... That person is going to call me in three years. Right. Absolutely, they're, they're going to call me in three years. I, I think, uh, you know, if there's any advice that I could give uh, to people, I normally give them this example. There was, when we were first getting started, we had a client that, same client I referenced earlier, I was really scared about working with. My gut actually told me not to work with them because they were a big, you know, publicly traded tech company, and I, I assumed that they would treat us like a pawn or they would just try to own us and it was it was actually quite the opposite they had full trust in us we were the right arm they were the left arm uh, listened to our recommendations our opinions got to affect the actual product uh, and sometimes you just have to to try you know so you know my recommendation is if you don't know just and you think it's exciting just try it out do a small engagement do it do a one two three month engagement and test it out and if it works well, go for six or nine or twelve months, or or cancel it. Sometimes you just don't know. <clears throat> yeah, I'd rather I'd rather get in on a small project and, um, you know, have have something even even if the project is just discovery. That's something we've been doing the last six months, where we do a brand camp where it's literally a a company will come to Austin for two days and sit in the same room with us and and just talk about what their brand actually needs. Um, and so, yeah, I'd rather get in on something, you know, small like that than, than get saddled to some, some big SOW that is like six months. So. Yeah. Well, Stu, um, thank you for joining us today. Why don't you let everyone how, know how they can contact you? Yeah, so uh, we're, we have a website, oddly enough, um, SputnikCreative.com. We're on Instagram as Sputnik Creative. Uh, we're on Twitter as Sputnik Co. Um, and there, I think we're on Facebook or something as well. So, but... That's kind of the ways. Don't LinkedIn me, bro. Just kidding. I know you're busy. Thank you for taking the time to walk 30 steps over there. It was like, the commute was crazy. Thanks, dude. Thanks for joining us. Yep.